Welcome to Wizard Studies. Join us as we peruse all things Potter. Before we get started, I just have a quick reminder or announcement, depending on whether you've seen this or not before, Um, but Audrey and I are going to be hosting a Harry Potter trivia night this upcoming Saturday, Saturday, April 18th at 7 o'clock Eastern time. So if you want to get more information, you can check out the event on Facebook. We've posted it from our podcast Facebook, so you can see that there. And we're going to be going live on Instagram, like I said, around 7 o'clock on April 18th. So we'd love for you to join us. It should be just a fun night. We are going to be having a prize for the winner. Um, So yeah, I just really hope that you guys join us. We're just trying to do something fun for you guys and the listeners and Harry Potter fans everywhere. And this may be a little bit more of a darker time than we're used to. Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Audrey. And I'm Katie. And today we have a very topical subject magical illnesses and diseases this was a suggestion from a listener kairavi a while ago and we're just getting around to it now um you may if you listen along with release dates you may understand why we're just getting around with to it now (laughs) but we're just going to talk a bit yeah we're just going to talk a bit about saint mungo's hospital Um, healing magic and healers, and then a few of the magical illnesses and diseases that we know about. Yeah, so I'm going to start out talking about St. Mungo's, like the building itself, and then like the different wards and like different injuries and maladies they treat there. So St. Mungo's full name is St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies and Injuries. It was founded sometime either in the 1500s or 1600s, and it's located in London. Um, and there is like a visitor's entrance, like way you get into it through the Muggle world, just like the uh, Ministry for Magic. So you can enter St. Mungo's through an old abandoned department store window after you speak to like the mannequin that's in the window. And the department store is called Purge and Douse Limited. I think that's what LTD stands for, or liquidated? Yeah. I don't know. Um, Limited. Limited. And so, like, that's how we see the trio and Ginny and Molly and Fred and George, maybe, enter it Um, in in their fifth year to visit And Tonks, right? Yeah, Tonks is also there. Um... When they go to visit Arthur after he get, got attacked by Nagini. The emblem for St. Mungo's is a wand crossed with a bone. Very creative. Kind of like our emblem. Um, <laughs> and so the hospital is meant for witches and wizards, but um, occasionally a muggle may be admitted if they fall victim to like a magical attack or suffer from a magic-related injury. Um, so like if a wizard were to attack a muggle, like doing some jinx or whatever, they could come to St. Mungo's to help them out. So like if the Dursleys had wanted to treat Dudley's pigtail 
and weren't afraid of wizards, they might have gone to St. Mungo's. Did he, did, how did they get rid of the pigtail? I don't know. They probably just, like, surgically <laughs> removed it, honestly. <laughs> Does he still have the pigtail? <laughs> Does he still have a little stump? <laughs> um... So the floor plan of St. Mungo's is the ground floor is the reception area and visitor's entrance, as well as the artifact accident um, section or ward or whatever. So this would include cauldron explosion, firing wands, and broom crashes. Um, This is where Katie Bell would have been sent when she was recovering from the cursed necklace. Um, We do know that she was sent to St. Mungo's, and this is where she would have been sent. The first floor is where their creature-induced injuries are. So this is where the Dangerous Die Llewellyn Ward for serious bites is. Um, And this is where Arthur was, um, like I said, after he was attacked by Nagini. And if you remember from our Quidditch episode, I believe we talked about this. So Dangerous Die Llewellyn was a Quidditch player who was eaten by a chimera. Um, So that's where they got that name from. Would... Would... Did Bill end up going to St. Mungo's after he got attacked by Greyback? Ooh, I don't know. Like, is this where werewolves would go, I guess? I don't know, because is a werewolf really considered a creature? You know? Because isn't it considered a yeah. being? Like a being? Yeah. yeah. I don't know, though. It don't might know. be in, like, the creature-induced injuries, but I Oh, well, serious bites. I don't know. That could definitely be where a werewolf was sent. I don't know. Probably. Um, the second floor is where the magical bugs ward is. So this is like the illness. <laughs> the illness-based uh, floor. So this is where they treat magical ailments such as dragon pox, vanishing sickness, and scrofungus. <laughs> Um, I don't know what that is or how you pronounce that. I also don't really know what vanishing sickness is. Like, is it similar to porky sickness? Like, is that what? Or, like, um, apparition sickness? I don't know. Or is it just where you start vanishing? I don't know. I think you start vanishing. Um, scrofungulus is, it just says it's a contagious disease provoked by an unknown magical bug. (laughs) Do you think they mean? Apparently in the 1989 to 1990 school year, so this must be in um, Hogwarts mystery, mm-hmm. there was a scrofungulus outbreak at Hogwarts, causing the beds in the hospital wing to be full. Madame Pomfrey was petrified at the time. And someone else took care of the patient. Dang. Maybe they should go back into Hogwarts mystery and find out what happened there. <laughs> But yeah, um, the third floor is where there's treatments for potions and plant poisonings. So, pretty straightforward there. The fourth floor is the Janus Thicky Ward, treatment for spell damage, unliftable hexes, jinxes, and spells. The vanishing sickness is it causes the infected person's body parts to disappear. And Xavier Rastrick was a famous wizard entertainer who vanished unexpectedly before the eyes of 300 people during a tap dance routine in 1836 and was never seen again. Wow. 
That sounds awful. It's like, um, yeah. I rewatched Kim Possible a bunch of times on Disney Plus, and there's like an episode <laughs> that, like, um, when she gets embarrassed, more of her body disappears until she's just <laughs> like a floating head. Um, I feel like I remember that one. It's definitely one of the best. I really like that episode. Highly recommend. Um, yeah. So the fo- fourth floor, like I said, is the Janus Thickey Ward for spell damage. So this um, is kind of where, like, long-term residents generally are because this is stuff that, like, really can't be fixed. Most other things can be fixed. Um, so this is where Lockhart is. This is where the long bottoms are um, when we meet them, when the trio's there in the Order of Phoenix. Um, and then McGonagall was sent here after um, she was hit by, like, the, what was it, like, three or four stunning spells to the chest. Um, this is Four stunning spells four. to the chest at her age. <laughs> <laughs> and this is also where Broderick Bode is when he, um, when we see him in Order of Phoenix again. This is after he was attacked um, while sitting outside the Department of Mysteries for the Order of the Phoenix. And this is also where we see him get the plant for Christmas, which turns out to be Devil's Snare and eventually kills him. So, fun times. And then the fifth floor is where the visitor's tea room is in the hospital shop. So, it's kind of like um, the more relaxed part where, like, people who are visiting the hospital can go and spend time, like, kind of not in a hospital atmosphere. So, yeah. And then, lastly, St. Mungo's was founded by Mungo Bonham. But also, at St. Mungo's is also just, like, a popular name in Britain for, like, hospitals. Like, if you Google St. Mungo's, it doesn't, like, pop up with, like, Hogwarts stuff. Like, it pops up with actual hospitals. So. Yeah, I think there's, like, a charity or something. Um, yeah. I think, like, St. Mungo is, like, relate, like something related to, like, healing or helping people. Yeah, for sure. So it's kind of weird that she used, like, a muggle thing. Yeah. Well, maybe she's implying that, like, St. Mungo and, like, the muggle world, like, is this guy. Oh, you mean, like, how, like, the Fat Friar, like, healed people? Like, maybe this guy was healing people with magic? Yeah. So, well, he's the patron saint of Glasgow. Um, Oh. So, fun fact, St. Mungo is. Um... Um, he's the patron saint of salmon. Salmon. <laughs> Those accused of infidelity. <laughs> and he's the patron... They, people accused of infidelity have a saint? I guess. And he's the patron saint of... He's a pa- His patronage is against bullies. He's the patron saint of against bullies. I don't... I don't know if that makes any sense or not, but... <laughs> he's anti-bullying. I guess, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> in his Wikipedia page... Oh, okay, fun fact. So, in his Wikipedia page, like, you can... Like, there's a fiction tab, and it says, St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies and Injuries is the primary hospital of Magical Britain in the Harry Potter series of books by J.K. Rowling. The next paragraph is, Kentigern Gardens is the location of a murder in The Cuckoo's Calling, a novel published under J.K. pseudonym Robert Galbraith. So, maybe J.K. just really... What does that have to do with... I don't know. The garden... What does the gardens have to do with St. Mungo? It must be, like, um... 
I don't know. Let me look it up. This is a Wikipedia tailspin. Kensington Gardens. JK really seems to like St. Mungo yeah. then. She's including him in both of her series. Yeah. Oh. I guess, like, he's... Okay, so he can either be called St. Kentigern or St. Mungo's, I guess. It says oh, Kentigern. Oh, he's got multiple names. Okay. Oh, so I guess Kentigern is, like, the Welsh name, maybe? Oh, okay. I don't know. That makes sense. They're the same person, though. Hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Fun fact. Interesting. <laughs> Fun facts all around. Yeah. So the next section, I'm going to talk about healers and like healing magic and how it works. So healers are the wizarding equivalent of muggle doctors um, and medi wizards are like medics or paramedics, I think. So I think they're like, they work under healers and they go through, healers go through pretty rigorous training. It's assumed. We don't know a lot about like their actual on the job training. I don't know if they actually have to like go to med school or if they just like immediately like get job training yeah because there's no like through saint mungo's healing classes at hogwarts like i guess like potions right. might be the closest i don't know because like you right, like they definitely get tr- yeah they definitely anecdotes, have to get trained somehow but <laughs> anecdotes <laughs> um so yeah but We know that at Hogwarts, or I guess, I don't know if other schools use um, N-E-W-T-S's, N-E-W-T's, a.k.a. Newt's. Yeah. (laughs) You have to have at least five of them with a high mark of either outstanding or exceeds expectation at potions, transfiguration, herbology, charms, and defense against the dark arts. Weird that you need defense against the dark arts. Yeah, and transfiguration. Yeah. I don't know. Like, potions and herbology make the most sense to me. Yeah, and, like, charms, too. Because, like, some of them, like, healing magic is charms. Not that you, like, learn them yeah. in charms, I guess. But, yeah. I don't know. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So then, um, JK has said a little bit about healing magic because people are always wondering, like, well... Can wizards just get muggle illnesses? What's What are the limits of healing magic, right? Like, wizards aren't immortal or invincible. So I'm just going to read this quote from her. I think it originally comes from the, like, Pottermore article on Lupin when she was... Maybe? Um, but I think it's from Pottermore. And so she said, I decided that, broadly speaking, wizards would have the power to correct or override mundane nature, but not magical nature. Therefore, a wizard could catch anything a muggle might catch, but he could cure all of it. He would also comfortably survive a scorpion sting that might kill a muggle, whereas he might die if bitten by a venomous tentacula. Similarly, bones broken in non-magical accidents such as falls or fistfights can be mended by magic, but the consequences of curses or backfiring magic could be serious, permanent, or life-threatening. This is the reason Gildor Lockhart, victim of his own mangled memory charm, has permanent amnesia, why the poor long bottoms remain permanently damaged by magical torture, and why Mad-Eye Moody had to resort to a wooden leg and a magical eye when their originals were irreparably damaged in a wizard's battle. 
Luna Lovegood's mother, Pandora, died when one of her own experimental spells went wrong, and Bill Weasley is irreversibly scarred after meeting with Fenrir Greyback. So, basically, if it's of a magical nature, it might not be able to be cured entirely. I want to know, like, what kind of spells made Moody lose his leg and eye. Yeah. Like... Because, like, we... So, Fred lost... Or, George... Oh, my God. I just poked myself in the eye. George lost his ear, like, by Sectum Sempra. From Sectum Sempra. Yeah. So, like, I yeah. wonder... Or, I think it's assumed that it was Sectum yeah, Sempra because it, it was Snape, Snape yeah. right? Yeah. But, like, Snape is the only one who used that yeah. spell besides Harry. So... Yeah, so I don't know. Probably, like, some dark magic for sure, though. Yeah, I think it definitely has to be dark magic. Also, this was just making me think, like, how long must the Longbottoms have been crucioed to, like, make them that irreparably damaged, do you know? That's crazy. I don't... Maybe it was something other than crucio, too. Like... Yeah, because... Like, a combination. Yeah. Wow. That's so sad. I know. Ugh. That scene in the book. Yeah. So sad. Okay. So then a list of healing spells. Um, we have anapneo, which clears the target's the target person's throat if it is blocked. So you would use this if someone was choking. It's like the Heimlich for magic. Um, Braculum Amendo is the incantation of a healing spell that can be used to mend broken bones. Um, and then Episki, which I love the sound of that. It heals relatively minor injuries, such as broken noses and split lips. So I think this is what Tonks uses for Harry's broken nose yeah, um, once she gets him off Luna, of the train. if we're going by a movie. In the movie. Yeah. Yes. But in both cases, Harry doesn't really trust either yeah, of them to do like, it. No, I'll just go to Madame Pauvres. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I in the movie, I mean, yes, this whole part should have been Tonks, but I do like how Luna is like Harry asks if she's done it before and Luna's like, Well, I've done toes and like aren't they kind of the same thing? <laughs> and he's like Does Tonks say that in the book? No. That's a that's a movie line. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was funny. That is funny, yeah. Um, and then we have Ferula, which is a charm used to bandage and splint broken bones, and it's supposed to ease the pain pretty well. I guess, I don't know why you would use use that if you could just mend the broken bones with the other spell. Mm. I don't know. Maybe it's, like, easier. Uh, but I think, yeah... Or, like, if it's, like, a worse injury and you need it to heal on its own. Yeah, like, what if it's, like, a broken bone, like, from magic? Like, could you still do that and at least, like, maybe you couldn't fix it right away? Because doesn't it say something about, like, um... Yeah, broken bones and non-magical accidents. So, like, if it was a broken bone in a magical accident, like, maybe you couldn't do Brachium Memento, but you could do, like, Ferula to at least, like... Yeah. Help... Yeah, but nevertheless, we know that, like, broken bones aren't that big of a deal because um, Madame Pomfrey says when Harry has to regrow his bones, she's like, fixing them is not a big deal, but growing them is, like, yeah. way more painful. Yeah. Um, shout out to Lockhart, who doesn't know how to mend broken bones. 
Uh, <laughs> and then we have Reparaphors, which reverts minor magically induced ailments like paralysis and poisoning. Mm. I like how those are minor. <laughs> yeah, paralysis. Uh, yeah. And then there's Tergio, which... Oh, Tergio. Which is a cleaning spell used to siphon any liquid, such as blood, dust, or grease, off of the target. And the last one I have here is Vulnera Senentor, which is a, with a song-like incantation of a healing spell and a counter curse to the Sectum Sempra spell. So that's what Snape is using when he's, like, saving Malfoy in the bathroom. Yeah. Um, does that mean Snape invented that spell? Or is it just, like... It might just be, like, a repurpose. Happens to work. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, it says it's a healing spell and counter curse to Sectum Semperum. Yeah, yeah. I think it just says and counter curse because we literally see Snape use it as a counter curse. Yeah. Okay, so in addition to spells, um, healing magic, there also are many potions and plants that are used, which we see throughout the series. So there's Pepper Up Potion, which is just like supposed to make you feel better if you have like a cold or if you would just been out in the cold i think percy tries to get Ginny to mm. take this or maybe has her take this but it doesn't really work because she's being possessed by Voldemort. yeah i wonder if that's um, also supposed to help like people's mood like i wonder if like people who are depressed that they take that oh you know? like an antidepressant that's yeah. interesting i mean we know that the wizarding world is not very good with mental health mental health so it might make sense that they, like, don't have a specific way of treating it. Like, an actual thing. It's just the repurposing of Pepper Up Potion. So we also have Skelligro, which, um, like we mentioned earlier, Harry uses, or Harry takes to regrow his bones. There's Potion for Dreamless Sleep. Um, Dittany is just a plant that is often used um, for its healing purposes. It is in the, one of the ingredients in the healing potion in... Wizards Unite, um, Sleeping Draft, and Wolfsbane Potion, Man, which I would Lupin takes for his. For Sleeping Draft to be a thing, that would be so nice. I know, just I know. Like, man, I like how do wizards not just like have like a stockpile of that on hand? Like, that's kind of like Nyquil. Yeah. Um, and so then I also listed here chocolate because um, Lupin uses it after or recommends eating it after a Dementor attack and we know that like Madame Pomfrey also recommends that and like approves of Lupin mm-hmm. recommending that and then Phoenix Tears have really strong healing properties and they're the only known known cure for basilisk venom i kind of assume like if you put phoenix phoenix tears on anything it would work if it works for basilisk basilisk venom which i don't know why like dumbledore isn't like selling that shit yeah or like like hogwarts should have a stockpile of that crap yeah like they literally have fox Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe it has to they like have to be fresh fresh tears <laughs> like you can't just like have fox just cry and bottle them all up you know 
the phoenix has to like be emotionally moved by that person being hurt. <laughs> I would have five to just if... chill out on the hospital wing then, like at all times in case yeah. it's needed. Do we know I wonder if point? sorry, go ahead. I think so. Oh, I don't know. I think so. I wonder if Dumbledore ha- tried to have Fox cry on his hand when it was cursed or poisoned. Ooh. I bet not. Actually, Fox might have tried on his own, though. Like while Dumbledore was sleeping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, also, when you said, like, have Fox just hang out in the hospital wing, do people know that Fox exists? Like... Like, the students. Like, does your average student know that Dumbledore no. has a pet phoenix? My guess would be no. That's interesting. How rare are phoenixes? Probably super rare. Because, like, Harry doesn't know until, like, he's in Dumbledore's office. So, like, obviously he hadn't heard. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And he That's was in second year at the time, I'm pretty sure. When he meets Fox. Yeah, because... Yeah, I think it was second year. Does he not go to Dumbledore's office in first year? Or maybe he does and Fox isn't there. Well, no, because, like, their end-of-year meeting is in the hospital wing that year, not in Dumbledore's office. Like, it sometimes yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, so the most popular place we know for healers to work is St. Mungo's. I'm sure that there are other magical hospitals in other countries, but we know about England. And then healers at St. Mungo's wear lime green robes with the, like, symbol that Katie mentioned, which is a bone crossed with a wand. And now I'm going to talk about everybody's favorite healer, Poppy Pomfrey, a.k.a. Madam Pomfrey. (laughs) So we know that she was working at Hogwarts at, like, at least before 1971, because when Remus started school... Um, Dumbledore had, like, asked her to help with escorting him to the Shrieking Shack and everything for his werewolf turning into a werewolf every month. Um, her first name, Poppy, could come from opium, which is, like, also called poppy juice, um, which is one of the first ever medicines used, so it's kind of a fitting name for a healer. And we know that she is still working at Hogwarts in Cursed Child, which happens, like, around 2020. But JK also said in 2014 that Hannah Abbott had given up her post as landlady of the Leaky Cauldron and had trained as a healer and applied to the position at Hogwarts. So, like a lot of things with Cursed Child... It's not canon. It doesn't line up. <laughs> So you can decide which is canon. I guess they both could be canon if, like, maybe Adam Pomfrey wanted an assistant. She was getting old and she needed, like, she needed a second set of hands or something. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny that, like, Hannah Abbott was a landlady of the Leaky Cauldron and then was like, I'm going to be a healer. Yeah, that's like somebody working, like, as a bartender and then just being like, I'm going to be a doctor. Let me just... (laughs) peace out real quick (laughs) right um so we don't know what hogwarts house madame pomfrey was in we assume she went to hogwarts um but i feel like the like natural guess would be hufflepuff i feel like i could see her being in ravenclaw though i was gonna say that's like the second just like 
Because, like, I don't know if her... I mean, like... I don't know if her personality is super Hufflepuff. Like, she's very, like, matter-of-fact and, like, abrupt, you know? She's kind of, like... She doesn't have a lot of bedside manner. No. (laughs) She's a little Like, she's always kind of yelling at Harry (laughs) whenever he's in the hospital. (laughs) And she always complains about people being kind of dumb. So maybe she is a Ravenclaw. (laughs) She just, like... I would take her in my house. She runs a tight ship. Yeah, yeah. Very orderly. Yeah. Uh, okay. And I feel like you have to be, like, smart to be a healer. Oh, for sure. You know? I'd hope so, at least. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Who knows with the... Uh, Wizards. On the job training. Oh, yes. So, um, also, we know so a lot of people in the fandom have, or did at some point, ship Madame Pomfrey and... Professor Dumbledore, because in the very first chapter of the series, Dumbledore mentions how Pomfrey, Madame Pomfrey, complimented a new set of earmuffs he'd recently got, and it made him blush in such a manner that would only be rivaled when Professor McGonagall compared his magical prowess favorably against Voldemort. So, take that what you will. Take that as you will. Um... (laughs) Don't know what that means. We do know that Dumbledore is supposed to be gay, so I think he was just uh, really happy that someone liked his earmuffs. <laughs> and then now I'm just gonna run through kind of most of the times we see Madame Pomfrey in the series. Um, so when the trio is in the hospital wing or is being treated by her. So in the first year, um, in Sorcerer's Stone, Ron gets bit by Norbert, aka Norberta. And he goes to the hospital wing, which is why he's not, like, caught in detention um, when Harry and Hermione take Norbert to be taken away by Charlie's friends. And he tells Madame Pomfrey that he got a dog bite. I think he tells her, like, Fang bit his finger. And she's just, like, very skeptical, but doesn't really push it. Which I feel like then it also is a Ravenclaw dream. Yeah. <laughs> Just being like, okay, this kid's an idiot. Does it? Does he think I'm an idiot? Yeah. But I feel like Madame Pomfrey does a lot of those like type of things. Like, I know this child is lying to me, but like, I need to help them anyway, so I'm not gonna like <laughs> start an argument. <laughs> I feel like she probably just has like a journal. <laughs> like, I want the notes of Madame today. Pomfrey. Some dumbass tried to tell me his green infected <laughs> dragon bite was a dog bite. <laughs> Uh, so then also in first year in the trio's first year harry is in the hospital wing after fighting quirrell slash valdi and this is where the conversation that katie was talking about with dumbledore happens this is where some people think that harry should have or dumbledore should have told harry everything then um, it's one of many times people think that should have happened. Well, at this point, but this is also where... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, at this point, he didn't know. Everything is that what you're going to say? Yeah, like, he doesn't know for sure about the Horcruxes. Like, he doesn't learn yeah. that until after second year. Until after what? Second year. Like, with the diary. Like, that's yeah. what confirms yeah, 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 yeah. that he has Horcruxes. Yeah. Um, and then this is also the conversation where Dumbledore, like eats a birdie bots and it what does he get does he get like earwax earwax 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, so then in second year, um, we see Madame Pomfrey when she gives Harry Skelligo after he loses his bones, thanks to Lockhart. And then Hermione is in the hospital wing for a full month, apparently, when she is half cat because of the polyjuice potion. So Hermione is like so much of that school year because if she was in the hospital wing for a month and then she was petrified for like, I gotta say at least a month. Do we know what Hermione told Madame Pomfrey? Like she was one of the last... What'd you say? Do we know what Hermione told Madame Pomfrey, like, as why she was half cat? <laughs> I don't know. Because, like, she couldn't tell her that it was Polyjuice Potion, because, like, Polyjuice Potion is, like, like a restricted Maybe substance or something. She told her she was, like, trying to become an animagus, or she, like, mm-hmm. was trying to transfigure herself into a cat. She got pretty far, then, if that's what, like, damn. <laughs> Um, yeah so then also in this year Madame Pomfrey treats like all of the petrified students and nearly headless Nick as well so they use a fan she's a to busy get him year. into the hospital <laughs> I love so that. funny I love that uh, um, and then in third year Harry sees Madame Pomfrey in McGonagall's office after the Dementor attack on the train and this is when she's like she, like, recommends chocolate, and Harry's like, oh, Lupin gave me some, and Madame Pomfrey's like, yes, like, we finally have a good defense against yeah. the Dark Arts professor. Because <laughs> pre- the previous year, the previous two years, Harry had ended up in the hospital wing because of the defense against the Dark Arts professor. <laughs> true. Yeah. So, also, Harry falls off his broom versus Hufflepuff, and Madame Pomfrey treats him then. Wait, yes. so... The beginning of the section, you talked about how, like, we know that Madame Pomfrey was at Hogwarts when Lupin was there because, like, Dumbledore asked her, like, for help with, like, the Wolfsbane potion. So, like, Madame Pomfrey knew that Lupin was a werewolf the entire time then, right? Yeah. after he was hired. I wonder why. Right. They always say that Snape's the only one that knew, but, like, Snape and Dumbledore, but obviously Madame Pomfrey knew because she's not going to forget who... Lupin is. Yeah, also, why isn't Madame Pomfrey the one making the Wolfsbane potion? Like, she has I feel like to be able the, to know how to make it. Like, that's... Right? I feel like it's really hard to make, though. And I think it's more of, like, a potionier thing than a... I guess, yeah. But then, like, what would she thing. have helped out Lupin with when he was in school? You know? Well, she just escorts him to the Shrieking Shack. Oh, and she treats all of his injuries, like, after... Because, like, he, yeah. like, hurts himself. I think she, like, either didn't know how to make Wolfsbane potion. Well, I don't think it was invented at that point, thing. right? Was it? Oh, really? Hold on, I have it. Oh, yeah, yeah, because Marcus Belby's uncle yeah. invented it. So he's probably around the same age as Lupin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, interesting. So maybe she, like, just never learned, and also, I think it's difficult to make, so maybe, like, yeah. Dumbledore trusted Snape Yeah, more. it does say in here that, like, Snape is the only one who can make it, successfully make it. Which, like, potions is always this weird thing to me, where it's, like, like, how, like, how could only certain people make it? Like, what do you mean? Like, you just put ingredients into a pot, like, 
what? Right. Like, yeah, like, some potions take more effort than others. Like, Polyjuice Potion was just, like, time-consuming. Like, you had to, like, wait till the full moon to pick something. Like, it had to brew for days. Like, all this kind of thing. But, like, I don't know. Right. Well, I think it's, like, I don't know. Think about it, like, cooking, though. Yeah. Like, you can, anybody can just follow a recipe, but some people are going to do it better than others. Yeah. And, like, some people have, like, a... But, like, I feel like cooking, like, it's a good analogy, but not, like, perfect, because, like, cooking is, like, you're trying to make something taste good, so, like, there's this, like, sense of, like, creativity that comes with it, that, like, some people just, like, have, mm. like, a taste for cooking. Like, they just know what certain dishes need, but, like, I don't yeah. think potion I mean, has that. I mean, also, you can compare it to, like, lab work. Yeah. Like, I do a lot of stuff in lab, and a lot of that can just be, like, following a protocol, yeah. right? Just, like... But there's, like, a level of, like, care and, like, focus that it needs to take and stuff. And also, if you think about, like, Snape is particularly good because he's, like, he has found out ways to make the, like, typical potion, like, recipes, if you will, better. You know? Like, if we think about the Half-Life Prince book where it was, like, squish the beans instead of chopping them or whatever, you know? It's true. It's just, like, weird. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay, so yeah, Harry falls off his broom versus Hufflepuff and he gets treated then. And then at the end of the year, all of the trio end up in the hospital wing because Ron has a broken leg. And Harry and Hermione are, like, passed out after the Dementors. And then they, like, wake up and Dumbledore sends them to go back in time. Um, fourth year, she, like, tended to the injuries of the Triwizard tournament champions um particularly i think you see her after the first task when like she's like treating people's like injuries from the dragon just in that tent and i also think she gives people pepper up potions after the second task is that right yeah to like warm them up i think because like it was super cold in the lake yeah um she gives harry the dreamless sleep potion at the end of his fourth year um after he's seen cedric die And she also treats Hermione for when she gets, like, burns on her hands or something from getting hate mail mail with boobotuber puss in it. Um, And that's when everyone thinks that she's, like, dating Harry because of the Rita Skeeter, which which weekly article. Mm -hmm. In Harry's fifth year, all of the Golden and Silver Trio minus Harry are in the hospital wing for injuries after the battle of the Department of Mysteries. So Ron got, like, strangled by the brains. I think her... Ginny has the broken ankle and Luna has a broken nose. Um, I don't know. There's, like, a whole bunch of... They all have injuries. Yeah. Besides Harry. Yeah. And then sixth year... Um, she treats Ron after he drinks the poison wine that Slughorn was supposed to give to Dumbledore. And in the movies, this is, like, one of the funniest... I think Half-Blood Prince is just, like, a really funny movie. Yeah. And this is, like, one of the best scenes in the movie. If you just watch, like, Dumbledore, Snape, and Slughorn and McGonagall's faces in the background when Lavender comes and Ron says Hermione and Lavender and Hermione get in this fight. Yeah. And it's so funny. And then Dumbledore's just, like... Ah, to feel the sting of young love. Yeah. 
Also, speaking of funny Harry Potter moments on BuzzFeed right now, there's, like, an article that's, like, the 22 funniest moments from Harry Potter. I've yet to read it because I know that it's just movie moments and, like, mm. I hate that. Um, but, like, BuzzFeed has been putting out some, like, really good Harry Potter content right now. Like, there's an article on there right now that's, like, um, YA books, like, for different houses. Um like, oh. recommended based on house. So there's, like, a couple recommendations for Ravenclaw, a couple recommendations for Gryffindor, and, like, so on. Which I've, like, skimmed, but I've bookmarked because I want to go back because I'm, like, really in li- into listening to audiobooks at the moment. So if anybody needs new book recommendations, you can start with that. And if you like YA books, which is, like, all I read. So. <laughs> <clears throat> um, okay, so... Also in sixth year, Harry had his skull cracked open by a bludger that Cormac hit. The, like, one Quidditch match he played, he grabbed the um, stick or whatever the from the beaters. The bat, yeah. Because <laughs> the beaters were really bad, and he, he was hit like, Harry in the head with a bludger. Yeah. And I think, like, this was like, also a pretty easy thing for Madame Pomfrey to fix, but she does keep Harry overnight. Yeah. And then basically every important character in the series is there in the hospital wing after the Battle of Astron- Battle of the Astronomy Tower because they're all, like, Bill is injured and, like, all the Weasleys are there and everything. And this and is when, like, the Fleur um, Molly, like, fight yeah. slash, like, reconciliation happens. Right. And this is, like, Madame Pomfrey is, again, just, like, annoyed that there are so many people in the hospital wing. <laughs> and then finally i know this has been a long section um madame pomfrey was seen fighting a female death eater in the great hall at the battle of hogwarts and of course she led the charge um healing everyone's injuries from that battle nice i think she's like such an underrated character yeah i wish we knew more about her i was like hoping through that section to find some like cool background and stuff but not really yeah she's just like so like fiery and like whenever we do see her she's always like yelling at people she's very she takes charge yeah so this next section is going to be on lycanthropy which we did like this exact same section during our lupin episode but our lupin (laughs) episode was one of our first ever episodes and like it wasn't too great so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're bringing it back so for those of you who don't know lycanthropy is like means being a werewolf um it's just a fancy word for it um so to become a werewolf you must be bitten by a werewolf who like is transformed at that moment um as we see with like bill because he was bitten by gray back when he was not fully transformed so like he's not really a werewolf but he's not like he's not unaffected by the bite like it does have like the scars won't go away like he likes his meat a little bit more rare now but that that's like about it (laughs) Um, and there is no cure for lycanthropy, but you can take the wolfsbane potion, um, which basically just, like, makes the person conscious during the transformation, so they're not just, like, crazy mad and, like, no control over them, which is, like, what they previously, before this potion, 
would happen. Um, but I'll talk about that a little bit later. Actually, no, I'll talk about it now. <laughs> so the Wolfsbane <laughs> potion was invented by Damocles Belby, which, uh, like we said earlier, is like Marcus Belby's uncle. This is why Belby was invited to the Slug Club. And then Slughorn soon realizes that Belby is not, not only is he like not close with his uncle, but he's not like his uncle at all. Um, so and he's not cut out for no, he's club. not a slug club member. He doesn't have it. So the potion is very difficult to brew, as we talked about earlier. Like I said, Snape is one of the only potioneers that is able to complete it and like it actually work um, and like be effective. So this is one of the only reasons that Lupin was like able to be convinced to come back to Hogwarts was to have this like unlimited supply of the Wolfsbane potion. Um, like Dumbledore used that as kind of like a, not like kind of like a bribe, like hey come back and you'll get Wolfsbane potion. <laughs> um, so you have to drink a goblet full, um, which again like. I remember when we were doing the Lupin episode, we, like, discussed the mechanics of a goblet full. Like, what oh, yeah. is technically a goblet full? Um, and you have to drink it every night for a week leading up to the full moon. Um, another reason why the Wolfsbane potion isn't, like, super readily available, not only is it super difficult to make, but the um, ingredients are really expensive. Um, so that kind of like almost makes it impossible for like your everyday werewolf to have it because they're normally pretty poor because they're unable to hold down a job because of their, um, infliction or their, what they say, like their furry little friend. Isn't that what they called, um, Lupin's <laughs> affliction, the Marauders did. Um, so Yeah. That's really sad. That's kind of, like, that reminds me a lot of, like, insulin right now, because insulin is, like, super-duper expensive, but, like, it's something that, like, diabetics really need. Um, not saying that diabetics, like, can't hold down jobs, because they're, like, <laughs> <laughs> diabetes is a very, like, manageable thing when you do have insulin, but, like, it just reminds me of that. And the potion yeah. tastes disgusting, as per lupin, um... But there is a note that sugar may, cannot be added because that dulls the effectiveness of the potion. So you just got to, like, suffer through. I also don't know if, like, sugar is an effective thing to just, like, make things taste better. Like, <laughs> yes, it can help certain things. Like a wad of sugar. <laughs> yeah. But, like, that just reminds me of, like, an elf when, like, Buddy, like, puts sugar on his, like, spaghetti. I'm like... Yes, I love sugar as next as much as the next person, but like I don't think sugar would improve my spaghetti and meatballs. I think you love sugar more than the next person. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and then, so like another um, another important thing when speaking about lycanthropy in the Harry Potter series is that J.K. like originally had lycanthropy be a metaphor for AIDS. So I'll just like read a quote from her. So Lupin's condition of lycanthropy was a metaphor for those illnesses that carry a stigma like HIV and AIDS. All kinds of superstitions seem to surround bloodborne conditions, probably due to taboo surrounding blood itself. So like I've actually um, been seeing a lot of stuff about the AIDS epidemic epidemic right now, just because like we're in the middle of a pandemic. So a lot of people are like not like comparing the two, but kind of just like bringing up 
what it was like to live through the AIDS pan like epidemic and like versus this pandemic. So that's kind of interesting because like I didn't know too too much about it just because like I wasn't alive in the 80s. Um, which I think is when it was. Um, yeah. But yeah. And then... But I mean AIDS is still like a massive issue today. But yeah. Yeah. That was one like the... The one that most people think of was in the 80s. Yeah, because that's, like, um, I don't know, like, maybe not when, like, it started, but that was, like, because it, it was a huge deal because everybody was, like, there were also lots of, like, just mystery surrounding AIDS during that time. Like, nobody really knew, like, there's just, yeah. like, a lot of, um, like, false information. Just, like, there's false information surrounding COVID-19. Love that. <laughs> Fake news. A thing back in the 80s. Still a thing now. Um, <laughs> anyways, so JK used this to show that the wizarding community is just as prone to prejudice as the muggle community, which, like, honestly, I think we would have gotten based on, like, the pureblood, muggle-born kind of dynamic without... <laughs> you mean how the whole, like, moral dilemma is basically a race war? <laughs> yeah. I think that was, like, pretty clear, JK, but thanks for clarifying <laughs> pretty with obvious. werewolves. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I was just reading the last um, notes I already just covered yeah. in my, my funny <laughs> statement that I made. Um, but, yeah. JK just often uses, like real world or she uses like wizarding metaphors to talk about like real world problems also speaking of jk an unintended an unintended consequence of this pandemic is that jk is now active on twitter again yeah it's annoying me about it um i don't know she's just very active yeah I'd just rather she not tweet at all anymore. <laughs> I mean, I haven't, like, I haven't been stalking her Twitter profile, but, like, most of it is just, like, replying to fans. Yeah. And, like, I'm pretty... Which is fine. Yeah, and, like, I'm pretty sure, like, the mo... Like, the reason why she came back was to, like, be one of those, like, celebrity voices that is, like, stay at home. Because, like, people right. listen to celebrities more than we Which listen is good. to the president of the CDC, you know. Right. Or CDC doctors. Oh. Yeah. Also, I just want to talk about, like, the lycanthropy AIDS metaphor, because I think there is a lot of pushback in, um, a lot of, like, the Harry Potter community, because, like, it's kind of like JK decided to use lycanthropy as a metaphor for AIDS, but then also had no representation of queer characters, mm. which is kind of weird. Um, it's, like, kind of just, like, picking and choosing what you want to, like, it's like she's trying to like make a stance on it, but not acknowledging the fact that like HIV AIDS predominantly in the like 1980s epidemic affected queer men. So that's like something that people have a problem with. I think that the lycanthropy AIDS metaphor is cool, but I do recognize that like there is that. It's just another instance of JK being not great with I just, like... <laughs> representation. I don't understand why she had to, like, like, I don't know. I don't, I think that a lot of the problems, like, surrounding, like, the more problematic things about JK is that she's, like, coming out and, like, giving us too much information. Like, if she had left that as just, like, a metaphor for, like, 
sickness or like disability right. or disease like any sort of bloodborne yeah. illness or like or, even just know. like any disability you know like if people can't like hold down a job like if there's stigma in the community like not allowing them to hold down a job like that could be a metaphor for anything like she didn't need to come out and say like specifically aids yeah. like we get it like we are not dumb like we read into the metaphors and like we can draw our own conclusions right. like for whatever like, is relevant in our own lives, you know? So, like, you don't need to spell out these metaphors for us. Like, it's just causing more problems, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) moving on to another illness slash disease. I don't know what you would call this. Um, Blood malediction. So, being a maledictus. um, In Latin, the word maledictus... Mal means bad, dictus means spoken, so taken together, it's like kind of spoken ill of or cursed, and a maledictus, if you haven't been paying attention to the Fantastic Beast series, is a person, um, only females can carry it, who carries a blood curse that eventually turns them in permanently into a beast. So it's different than an animagus because you don't like learn to be a maledictus. You don't choose to become a maledictus. It's just a curse in your blood. And eventually you lose control and turn into a beast permanently. So it's also different than lycanthropy because it's not like just once a month. You eventually just become the quote unquote beast. So maledictuses, like I said, are only women and the curse is passed from mother to daughter. And the major known maledictus is of course Nagini. So when we see her in Fantastic Beasts, she is predominantly human and seems to be able to transform into a snake at will. Um, But we are told that over time she will lose control of that ability. And she had to have been... We obviously know that she loses control of that ability because she's a snake by the 90s, um, 70 years later. So (laughs) she had to have been a particularly strong snake for Voldemort to have been able to possess her for as long as he did. Um, We know that like in the Harry Potter series, we know that there's something unique about her because Voldemort hadn't been able to possess small animals for a long period of time. He had to bounce around between them. when he was like in the forest in Albania, uh, post Harry defeating him the first time, because the small animals were too weak, they couldn't last for long when he possessed them. But Nagini, he could possess for a longer period of time, and her relationship with Voldemort is also very human-like. I think when we read the fan- the Harry Potter series, it was more just like interpreted like. Voldemort could have a human-like relationship with a snake because he can speak to them and they can speak to him. But now we know that, like, Nagini actually was a human. Um, We also, like, I think Dumbledore or Harry talks about how, like, Nagini is the most important relationship in Voldemort's life. So she, like, always had these very, like, human-like qualities. Like, she was a real character. Um, And, of course, we learn in Fantastic Beasts that she was a human. So... There's, like, more to her than just being a snake. And then also, if you think about it, this means that Neville actually did kill the Nagini that we see in Fantastic Beasts, who I really like her character in Fantastic Beasts. Um, And I'm interested to see how she kind of goes from the good side that she's on now to the dark side, because being a maledictus doesn't mean you're evil, but I can see how it could, like, just make her turn 
turn to Voldemort or um, those types of people, especially because he's like one of the only people he can she can now converse with. Yeah, like he's definitely one of the more intriguing characters and like one of the things I'm most excited for coming up in the next movies. Definitely. So the other Maledictus or like speculated Maledictus is Astoria Malfoy, formerly Astoria Greengrass. She was a student at Hogwarts and then ends up marrying Draco. We learn in Fantastic Beasts, I think we learned that. Or no, sorry, Cursed Child. Um, I think we don't learn that they get married in the actual series because you didn't really like know her. Yeah. You just know that like Draco has a kid and a wife. And then in Cursed Child, you find out it's Astoria. And it's said in Cursed Child that she has a blood curse. And so with the Fantastic Beasts series coming out, people kind of speculated that that meant she was a maledictus. Honestly, we don't know at all, especially because, like, Cursed Child wasn't even really written by JK. So, and it came out before we knew about maledictuses existing. So, kind of iffy. But I like the idea that she was a maledictus. Um... And if she was, it doesn't seem to be a treatable condition even, like, in the 2000s or when Cursed Child takes place because Draco was unable to save her. But we know that Scorpio wouldn't have inherited it because it only goes from mother to daughter. And we also know that, like, Astoria had trouble getting pregnant and stuff, so... um, There's a lot of unknown around her character, but most people, I think, in the fandom are agree upon like her being a maledictus yeah i wonder how old you are when like you first start you know like changing yeah right because like because did she go i mean if it's passed a mother to daughter right and if it if, if it's passed a mother to daughter like you would think you would just not have kids yeah or at least like um, i'm sure there's stuff in like because, like, there's stuff now where you can, like, pick the gender of your child, like, if you, like, remove your eggs right. and whatnot. Or you could right. just adopt. Like. And also, doesn't Astoria have a sister who's, like, actually in Draco's year? I think she's younger, but her sister is. So, like, theoretically, her sister would probably have the malediction, too. Unless mm. it may be... It says specifically, I think JK specifically said it's past a mother to, mother to daughter, but... Maybe some people think can just like, carry it, like, and it doesn't come out in them, yeah. doesn't present. Or, like, does it, uh, like you were saying, like, does it appear in everybody? Or is it kind of, like, the thing where it's, like, like, if my dad has something, there's still, yeah. like, a 50-50 chance that I get it. Because, like, my, I also, like, get my mom's genes, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It, and... I think, like, to your point about, like, when do you start developing it or showing, I think it must be later because, like, Nagini in Fantastic Beasts looks like she's, like, in her 20s. Yeah. And she still has full control over it. Yeah. So, I think Nagini probably has, like, I I don't know. I guess we don't know when she ends up being full snake, but, like, there's a, like, 70-year difference between... Like or sixty five year difference between like the Fantastic Beasts movies that we've seen so far and when we know she's a full snake, so yeah, like it could take a while or she could like not have control in like a couple of years. Yeah, but Astoria dies. They say she died, mm-hmm. but maybe she didn't die. But she 
supposedly dies from it when Scorpio's in Hogwarts, so. Yeah. I don't know. Like, that's 19 years later plus. I bet you, like, years. if she actually has a malediction. She was like 40. Either she, like, killed herself or she just, like, fully transformed into whatever she was transforming into. And, like, they said that she, yeah. had, you know. Yeah, also on that note, like, there's no, nowhere does it say that you, like, always become a snake. So, like, she could be turning into a different animal. Yeah. Or beast. Yep. Um, so next I'm going to talk about dragon pox, which is, like, just a known illness that we have, like, some information about. So, dragon pox is a potentially fatal disease that kind of, like, is based on and, like, mirrors, like, our chicken pox or smallpox. So, like, you do get, like, pock marks on the skin um and but there's also like it says a lasting green tinge to the skin i'm not sure if lasting means like even after you've recovered from dragon pox you're <laughs> still green because like that would suck um and it can also show up in kind of like less serious cases in just like a green and purple rash between the toes or sparks coming out of the nose when you sneeze um, so, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Um, so the first person no- thought to have had dragon pox was a Quidditch player in the 1100s. Her name was Gunhilda Neen, I think is how you would say that. Um, sounds right. And then the first person known to have died from dragon pox was Chauncey Oldridge in 1379. Um, and it did say that, like, most of the first cases of dragon pox were people who had been in close contact to Peruvian viper tooths. Um, hmm. So, like, I wonder if the disease, like, originated from them. Um, Gunhilda of Gorsmore was able to develop a cure for dragon pox, but it still has not been fully eradicated. Um, so, like, people still get it and people still die from it, even though there is a cure. So, it must not be a super effective one. Um, but the. That's funny that Gunhilda and Gunhilda. Oh. The name of the first person to get it and the name of the person to develop a cure. Let me double check that. I might have just typed the names. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I was right. Huh. Interesting. That interesting. is interesting. Um, the el- we do know that the elderly is more susceptible, so like maybe the cure works on like younger, healthier people, but not in people mm. who have compromised immune systems. Speaking of corona. Um, there is evidence, however, that, okay, I'm going to say evidence in quotation marks. There is evidence, however, (laughs) that Dumbledore works on a cure while at Hogwarts. Um, from what I understand, the evidence mentioned in this is that, like, in the Hogwarts sorting quiz, or in, like, the Wizarding World or Pottermore sorting quiz, um, like, one of the things you do is, like, rate, um, which things you would have taken out of, like, the headmaster's study, like, whether it's, like, a partially completed cure for dragon pox, like, the student records, like, stuff like that, and, like, that being on the list, I think, is the evidence that they're pointing to that Dumbledore was working on the cure for dragon pox, um, uh, is it not mentioned, like, in his obituary by Elphius Doge? I don't, that's about him having dragon pox. Yeah, but. like Elfie's Doge definitely has dragon pox. Um, oh no, that's the cures for dragon blood. That's on his 
or not the uses of dragon blood. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that the only evidence is the Pottermore sorting quiz. That's interesting. Um, so, like, I don't know if that's really evidence, but whatever. <laughs> so, like, the people we know that have had dragon pox are Alpheus Doge, like we just mentioned, because, like, he talks about how he was, like, recovering from it when he first showed up to Hogwarts. So, like, he, like, looked... Like, he still had it, and so, like, nobody would talk to him, but, like, Dumbledore did. Um, oh. Yeah. Abraxas Malfoy died from dragon pox? Question mark. Okay. Um, Malfoy's grandfather. Howland yeah. Copey. Um, so, this comes from... I'm pretty sure, like, back in the day, JK would do, like, daily profit writings. Like, we talked mm. about this. And so this, like, some kid wrote into the advice column, like, um, I have a green and purple rash. Like, there's sparks coming out of my nose. Like, can you help me <laughs> diagnose what I have? And that's where both the green and purple rash and the sparks coming out of the nose came from. So. Seems like the right place to, uh, <laughs> get your diagnosis. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the so we know that Chauncey Oldridge had it like I said he was the first person known to have died from it and then Fleamont and Euphemia Potter both died from dragon pox like mixed with old age which are Harry's James's parents yeah right? so Harry's paternal grandparents and then we know that Gunhilda Neen had it as well which was the first person who we think that had it so like the evidence that she had dragon pox is like she was a quidditch player and she just like couldn't play in a match one time because she was feeling ill i don't know how they made the jump to <laughs> that being dragon pox but okay there's also speaking of quidditch That's and dragon funny. pox in 2014 um there was a breakout of dragon pox in one of the team's um like training camps and they oh, were yeah. unable to compete um which which wasn't team? it oh, like i want to say it was a south american team i was gonna say wasn't it like no chile was where it was yeah um yeah. or like a caribbean team or something like that moldova oh, okay so we were both wrong um yeah so yeah that's that's that yeah okay so next i'm gonna talk about spattergroit which is a highly contagious disease um caused by an infectious fungus and it causes the skin to break out in purple blisters. So purple rash from dragon fox, purple blisters from spattergroit. Um, when the infection reaches the uvula, the person can no longer speak. I assume it like blisters the uvula or swells it or something, which sounds really gross. And JK wrote in A History of the Quidditch World Cup, which I think was a Pottermore thing, um, that a massive outbreak of cer cerebrumus spattergroit was one of several things speculated to have been behind the mystery of why no one in the wizarding world could remember the Quidditch World Cup actually taking place in 1877. Um, and this type of spattergroit is a particularly bad strain that causes severe confusion and memory loss. That kind of makes sense from the name because like Cera, like C-E-R-E-B-R, -E -E like cerebellar, like brain like 
Um, so maybe it affects your brain. Spatteroid that gets into your brain, I guess. It causes memory loss, confusion. Um, Harry first learns of the disease when they visit St. Mungo's in Order of the Phoenix. And a medieval healer that's in a portrait when they walk by says that Ron... Um, has spatter because he has blemishes on his face, which those are really just freckles. And the healer tells Ron to, quote, take the liver of a toad, bind it tight around his throat, and stand naked by the full moon in a barrel of eel's eyes as treatment. So we don't know if that actually works. It is from medieval times, but maybe that is how you treat spatter <laughs> Um... And Ron is very offended by this and says they're only freckles. I mean, imagine being like a 15-year-old and getting told you look like you have spatterfroid. Yes. Good <laughs> but, thing they weren't actually pimples. I feel like that would have been worse. That would be worse, yeah. Um, but I guess this could be like a little foreshadowing. Maybe it gave the Weasleys the idea because when he Ron does not attend Hogwarts in Deathly Hallows, they use the excuse that he had spatterfroid. Because it's very contagious, so you're supposed to stay home from school if you have it. And Arthur, Fred, and George transfigure the ghoul in the burrow to have purple blisters so they could say it was Ron with Spattergroy, and no one would get too close or look at it because they're very afraid of infection. So, yeah. Hi, I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. And we're the hosts of Out of Contracts, a show where we watch and talk about a random episode of Star Trek every other Sunday. For each podcast, we've used a, a random number generator to select an episode of any of the Star Trek series. And then we talk about the story of the episode, what the writers hope to accomplish, and how the episode fits into the larger tapestry of Star Trek as a whole. The thing is, though, that each of us has only seen about a third of the Star Trek episodes in existence, which means that sometimes I'll watch a late period Deep Space Nine episode and I have no idea what's going on. It's fun! So, if you've ever wondered about the logistics of love on the holodeck... Or what it would really look like if all the water got sucked out of your body... Then listen to Out of Contracts every other Sunday at outofcontracts.podbean.com or wherever you download podcasts. Okay, so for today's pop quiz, there's actually going to be two questions. First, it's going to be, um, if you had to have been sent to the hospital wing with one of the things that the trio was sent to the hospital wing for... Which one would it be? So, I don't really want any of them. <laughs> but I feel like I would choose getting bit by the dragon. Because it's just like a little nip. And it's just on Ron's finger. And he doesn't seem to be in the hospital wing for very long. It like swells he up does have to lie so to... bad, though. But like... I don't know. He, like, very easily recovers from it. And then you can be like, yo, I got bit by a dragon. Like, it sounds way more badass than it actually was because he got bit by, like, a baby dragon. Yeah. I don't know. I I think I would do that. I would probably be deciding between either the petrification because, like, you don't suffer at all with that. Like, Yeah, but you're, like, so close to, like, getting actually killed. Yeah, and guess, like, it could be, like, pretty scary, like, in the moment. But, like, then you're, like, you don't suffer from it. You're just, like, chilling out. Like, everybody recovers from it just fine. Like, you miss a good portion of the school year. I don't know. 
Or, like, getting Harry's crack skull. Because, like, I think that was, like, a super easy fix for Madame Pomfrey, you know? Yeah. Like, that would be a terrible thing or to just happen, like, like, in real life. Um, yeah. But. Yeah. Or just, like, fix. Ron's broken leg. Yeah. That could, that's also a But I would not want that one because he had to, like walk around or like he didn't really walk around but he was like standing on it he had to like yeah. deal with the pain for a while before it got treated that is true yeah i wish i could take like um jenny's just broken ankle from the battle of hogwarts or yeah oh harry's broken nose but i guess like that he didn't go to the hospital wing for that so he didn't go to the hospital wing. doesn't count yeah <laughs> Um, the next question is just kind of, we're going to like talk about what we're doing at home, filling our time with while we're staying at home during this global pandemic. Yeah. So I am taking my classes online, which is fun. Spending a lot of time on Zoom. (laughs) Um, so I've been doing my schoolwork and writing my honors project and the like and been taking my dog for a lot of walks and listening to podcasts while I do that trying to get caught up on podcasts and I'm re-watching Breaking Bad which I watched like probably like six years ago I binged it and I haven't watched any of it since so I'm really enjoying re-watching that show because it's a great show nice I am listening to a lot of audiobooks. I listened to the... I had read the first book, but then I listened to books three, two, three, four of... Um, I don't know what this series is called, but it's by Carrie Maniscalco. It's like a... The first book is like Stalking Jack the Ripper. The second book is about Dracula. The third book's about Houdini. Mm. Um, very good. Highly recommend. They're kind of like historical fiction um the girl in it like there's very not like subtle even there's like very much underlying like feminist themes because the main character is like a girl in like the 1800s and she's trying to become like um basically like a forensic scientist like she like cuts up dead bodies and stuff and like that's very not a thing that like women typical women do then and like she didn't want to get married like so that's like really fun and then the shadows between us I think was the name of the next book I listened to that was good it was like a little bit more romance than I generally listen to um Mm. or read and then I'm listening to one right now um called the stars we steal and that it's been like pretty good so far it's kind of like the selection I don't know if anybody's um read that or if you have audrey but it's like a matchmaking kind of thing oh is that the one like matched well match is like a different thing but i've also read that series that one i didn't love but this like takes place in the future like earth is like frozen over like i guess like an ice age happened which like i would think that global warming would destroy earth before an ice age would but that's fine and so like they're all like in spaceships and it's like kind of cool because it's got like a very like futuristic theme but it's like with like Mm. princesses and kings and like so yeah yeah i'm liking that also i want to say the other thing that i've been doing slash i did yesterday (laughs) on day of recording um was watch a lot of the Harry Potter marathon on USA, which I assume they're like 
I don't know. I feel like they're just going to like keep bringing back those movies because they're running out of marathons to do. So you can go check our Twitter feed to see my thoughts. I tweeted a lot about the end of Order of the Phoenix because I think the end of that movie is mostly trash. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just check us out on Twitter yeah. for all of our our all of our hot takes on Harry Potter. You can also see a video movies. of you being ridiculous in public if you would like. Um, yes, I was really hoping that you would um, respond to that tweet with that video. So yeah. I'm very happy that you did. Yeah, I was gonna text you and ask you for it, and then I was I like, like, "I'll give her the opportunity to tweet it." No, when I saw that, I was like, "Oh my god, I have to go back and find that video," because it's not even like it's saved like we took that on whatsapp like through the whatsapp video i don't know why we did that and not just like on my camera but it's fine (laughs) i found it check out our twitter feed to see this video of katie yeah that we're hyping up it's like three seconds long (laughs) but yeah i've also been doing lots of puzzles Yes, same. And I sitting outside puzzles. in the sun, I'm getting very tan. I have, look at this ring tan I have on my finger. Oh, I love getting ring tans. That's a good one. Yeah. So, fun times. <laughs> okay. As always, thank you so Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> you can find our podcast every other Tuesday on any podcast platform that you want to find it on and if you could please leave us a review and a rating on apple Podcasts, it would really cheer us up in this trying times um you know paying it forward small acts of kindness we'd really appreciate it if you've listened this far in the episode (laughs) yeah sorry this episode is a little rambly um (laughs) You can, like Audrey said, you can find us on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Wizard Studies to catch that great video of me. Um, and then you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook as Wizard Studies Podcast. Um, we're definitely probably the most active on Twitter. So you want to give us a follow Yeah, there. I'm trying to be more active on Twitter. Yeah. Instagram is hard to be active on because... You have to, like, find photos and content. Twitter, you can just kind of tweet. Um, yeah. So we have 74 followers on Twitter, and ooh. I want to get to 100. So. Ooh. Maybe we'll have to do, like, some sort of giveaway once we reach 100, like we did for Instagram. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Um, and you can also email us at wizardstudiespodcast at gmail.com if you have any episode ideas or just, like, do you want to ask us some, like, questions or give us more information about what we're wrong on? Um, that would be greatly appreciated. Because, like we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, this episode idea did come from a listener. So thank you so much. All right. All right. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best. We'll do the rest. And learn until our brains all rot. Mm-hmm.